What is it you've done, Raymond? Murder, father. Why did you murder someone, Raymond? For money. Who did you murder for money, Raymond? You, father. After I killed them, I walked home to await instructions. Get to Bruges. 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 Where's that? It's in Belgium. For two weeks in Bruges, in a room like this, with you? No way. Welcome to Movies 2017, episode 45. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And this week we watched the 2008 movie In Bruges. So, Charles, tell us about Bruges. Sure. So, in In Bruges, two hitmen are told to lay low in Bruges uh, after a hit goes sort of awry. And it turns out that the younger hitman, played by Colin Farrell, bungled his first job, accidentally killing some kid in the church where his mark was. So it turns out they were sent there because the older hitman was going to be ordered to kill Colin Farrell's character because of this mistake that he had made. But then the older hitman decides not to, and that causes the boss, their boss to come to the town to uh, try to finish both of them off. But after a bunch of struggles, um, the Colin Farrell's character survives. He's pretty severely wounded, but I th- think I think he's going to survive in the end. There, maybe. Feels well, a little ambiguous to me. But you read it as a as survival. It seemed like they were saying he was going to make it. Yeah, he doesn't want to be dead anymore at the end of the movie. Yeah, right. Because he was suicidal for the bulk of it. Yeah. Um, Speaking of which, you chose this movie. Wilson. Speaking of being suicidal? <laughs> well, speaking of the ending, which yeah, oh, you're yeah. explaining. Um, yeah, I did I did choose this movie. Um, I like this movie a lot. I think it's good. There's a, a few reasons I picked it. Um, one, like I mentioned at the end of the last episode, this director has a new movie coming out soon, so I thought it'd be nice to lead into that with one of his better, or his best uh, movie prior to the new one. And also, Colin Farrell's been doing interesting things lately, and I think this is like the beginning of the interesting part of Colin Farrell's career like this or New World. So with him having Killing of a Sacred Deer coming out recently, The Lobster coming out last year, he's been on a trajectory of doing more interesting unconventional movies after an early career of like action blockbusters that he didn't really fit into that well. Um, so I think he's an interesting actor in that respect, that respect and this is a good way into it. Um, and also this is just a good movie. Like I, I think that it, it, I hadn't seen it in a few years before I watched it the other day. Um, I think it holds up really well. I think it's funny. I think it has good action. I think that there's some interesting uh, metaphorical stuff going on here. Um, so I, I just enjoy it. I think that there's a lot, a lot of uh, a lot there to talk about and, and unpack. Mm-hmm. Um, Charles, you had mentioned that you had friends back in the homeland in California that liked this movie a lot, and you yeah. had somehow avoided it. Uh, so how did it land yeah. th- this time? Um, I thought it was all right. Okay. Um, the problem, well, one part of the problem is that the movie is really hyped on the internet. Like, it gets referenced yeah, all does. the time. Yeah. And they always talk about how it's, like, the greatest thing ever. Film people really like this film. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, so <laughs> I feel like it might have given me the wrong or expectations. internet film people. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, it might have given me the wrong expectations going into this. Um, and also, like, I don't know if the sense of humor or scale of this movie really resonated with me. Okay. What do you mean by scale? Like, it's a very small-scale movie, okay. right? There's very yeah. few um, characters. Uh, yeah. The plot is relatively small scale. Like, there's only these two hitmen. Yep. You don't find out anything about who they're working for, except that it's, like, this dude. Yeah, and he's wealthy and powerful, right? And yeah, violent. but, you know, you yeah. don't know, like... But in the, bulk- I mean, the It's not the point of the movie, but right. at the same time, um, I feel like I enjoyed it less because of that. Yeah, well, and the bulk of the action takes place within a few miles of their hotel in Bruges, yeah. it feels like. It's a bottle movie. It is, yeah. yeah. I mean, by design, right? Yeah. Like, that is a very intentional choice. Yeah, they're stuck in they're one s- setting. They're stuck in one spot, yeah. Um, have, you've seen this before. Uh, how, did you, how do you like this movie, Fastman? Yeah, I, th- I think it's funny. Like, a lot of the humor just comes from, like, sort of play with language or like sort of like yes. ironies related to like they, they sort of like lay out what is possible early in the movie and yeah. then that goes on to like affect events later in the movie mm-hmm. um I, I think it's well acted and it's it's well shot um yeah it looks nice yeah, yeah. I, I think it's good I don't, I don't think it's like great but I, I don't think i love it as much as like internet film people do but, yeah there's a yeah. I, I I like this movie. I think it is better than good. I think it's very good. Um, but it like there are people that 
are in love with this movie in a, a way that feels a little bit beyond what it actually is. Uh, that said, I still think it's interesting. I think there's a lot of a lot of stuff here that that I like. I think if, if it were like a Coen Brothers movie, it would be like a kind of middling Coen Brothers movie, and it's very like Coen esque. That's interesting. Yeah. That hadn't occurred to me, but I think you're onto something. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, and that like it's kind of punishing to its characters. Yeah, um, a lot of word jokes. Yes, um, a lot of like yeah, a lot of situational I, irony. Yep. Yeah, a lot of that. Um, like a lot of like abrupt violence uh, that they do uh, frequently. And a lot this, of this like, one had a lot of the kind of lingering conversations. Sure. Um, that you see in the Coen Brothers films or like Tarantino films, but they felt less interesting. Yeah, just like these miscellaneous conversations. Yeah. Yeah. It's just if you're not into those conversations, then that's going to ruin a big part of the movie for you. Yeah, I mean, if that's the, not what happened to me. I mean, so much of the movie is like is Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson talking to each other. Mm-hmm. That if like if that part doesn't land for you, it yeah, like it's probably not going to work <laughs> quite as well. Um, but I think it does work. I think those two are phenomenal. Uh, Brendan Gleeson, one of the great character actors that we have right now, mm-hmm. um, and he just puts in another great day's work here. Um, and then Colin Farrell, I think this is this is a. A, a watermark or a watershed moment in his career. This is like a before and after in Bruges. I think you can see him doing. Different yeah, things. he was in like the Daredevil movie. He was Bullseye. He was the, he was the, <laughs> he was, the villain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, opposite Ben Affleck. Opposite Ben Affleck. Yeah. Yes, and uh, <laughs> so, so that movie means Affleck. is tough to watch. Yeah, he's been both a Marvel and DC superhero. Then Affleck. Yeah. Yeah, that hadn't, that hadn't occurred to me. Um, but yeah, he was in that. And he did a lot of just like big. Uh, well, the reason he did Daredevil is because uh, he couldn't do Batman. Whoever was Batman at the time, like, took Batman from him. Yeah. So he was like, "Screw it, I'll go to Marvel and do <laughs> do the Batman." Do, do like a second tier Marvel hero. Yeah. Well, he, who is Batman essentially, right? Like yeah. Daredevil. Yeah. Like, he sure showed them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and now he is Batman. And now he's yeah. Now he's Batman. So good. Good work. Yeah. Good for him. <laughs> um, but yeah, he did that, and then he did. Um, the one that really kind of killed that era of his career was Alexander, I think, huh. uh, where he was... Also forgot that existed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that comes in, I checked it, like a, a comfortable 17% on Rotten Tomatoes, I yeah. believe. Um, Yikes. Nobody liked that movie. I haven't seen it, but nobody liked it. And uh, he, I, my understanding is... <sighs> is that the one with Ed Norton? I don't know. I didn't see it. Okay. <laughs> that's one where Angelina Jolie plays his mom. I think Ed Norton's in Really? Aren't they like the same age? I feel like I heard that that was a thing and that people thought it was weird in the movie. That is weird because they're yeah. very similar in age. Um, yeah, they'd be more appropriate as love interests. Yeah. Um, but I think after that, he reevaluated where he was going with his career and he worked with Michael Mann on the underrated Miami Vice um, and Terrence Malick where he made a New World and then this movie in 2008 mm-hmm. that I think is pretty significant um, so I like Colin Farrell and now he's working in Greek cinema with uh, the Greek director whose name I've never been able to pronounce because it's super long in Greek <laughs> <laughs> but he made The Lobster and Killing the, of the, the Sacred the, Deer I know him as The Lobster dude now because I right. watched The Lobster Lobster and Dogtooth and the Alps and, and so forth um, but was that the Ed Norton movie uh, uh, Alexander. Apparently not. No, he um, was in. But some... Norton's in like a similarly failed like, historical the epic of the time. Kingdom of Heaven. Yeah. Was that that one? That was with yeah. Orlando Bloom, I think. Yeah, <laughs> that was about the Crusades, yes. I think. And that one also tanked. Yes, but th- I think either that one or maybe both of them had, or at least apparently had unfair edits. Like, like there there are alternative edits of them that are supposed to be good. Uh, I don't know how true that is because that it's are also yeah, really is it long. good or relatively good. Yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't seen them. I yeah. don't know. But I, like I looked at when I was um, renting this movie from the thing that I rent movies from. I looked where Alexander was on there, and the edited or the the director's cut or final cut or whatever was like two hundred two minutes long. I was like, oh. I'm not. I'm not going to no. do that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think more is what that, that yeah, movie no, was asking I'm for. I'm going to risk it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. Uh, yeah, he's become like a more indie film actor yeah. now than he is like a blockbuster person. Yeah. I feel like he is kind of cursed by how good looking he is. <laughs> right, because he's a, he's a good looking guy. And I think yeah. that early in his career, because he's still a good actor, that pegged him in a certain type of role as the romantic lead, as the action lead, whereas his sensibility and what he actually wants to be doing is closer to 
in Bruges and the Lobster yeah. and Sacred Deer, where it's he's playing these offbeat characters that aren't really that sympathetic all the time, and like kind of are in stranger movies doing thematically odd things. Um, and it took a little while to figure that out, and it probably took a little while for the industry to figure that out about him, um, that that's what he ought to be doing. Um, but I'm glad he did, because he's been producing some really interesting films since then. Mm -hmm. uh, so I th he might have been better off if he were a little uglier. But, <laughs> <laughs> but such is life. Um, but uh, this movie, I think, has a lot going on. Um, yeah. Um, the, what do we want to start with? Well, I mean, since we were talking about Colin Farrell, I did like his performance in this one a lot. Yeah. Um, it's a hoot. Like, I mean, I don't often notice, like, good acting performances, but I gave him some credit in this one. I could I could tell what was going on, uh, even though I hated his character. Yeah, he's a dick. Yeah. Um, but he shows like, a pretty good range of emotion. Yeah. Yeah, so what yeah. really stood out to me is, like, you know, normally he's just, like, an asshole who doesn't care about anything and mm -hmm. thinks he's better than everyone and all that sort of thing. Right, but then you see him like show emotion when he's feeling his guilt for accidentally killing a child, and it's actually powerful when he finally like actually cracks and yeah. you know, shows some emotion. And I almost felt bad for him, <laughs> but then I try to remind myself of how much of an asshole he is. Yeah, it, well, what I'm when I look at that performance and like what I'm thinking of is how much of that asshole is a put on, right? Because mm -hmm. it's some of it is just so beyond what a normal person how a normal person would behave like he's that's like shitting on Bruges all the time and he is like pretty just mean to people yeah often like the fat tourists that he finds at the yeah. beginning of the movie um which is still <laughs> a funny sequence um so I, I but i wonder how much of that is recontextualized when we know more about the character right and we know more about that it's his because you don't find out that it's his first job as a hitman until like well into the third act. Yeah, that's true. And you don't find out that he killed a kid until, you know, a good half hour movie, or so yeah. into the movie. And I think that that kind of frames what he's doing differently. And I, I'm curious about where the director chose to place those reveals mm -hmm. and, like, how they shift audience sympathies. Because I think if you open this movie with his killing that kid, like, if that's the first thing that happens. Then you're not on his side. Or you're, yeah, you're not on his yeah. side, but maybe you are, right? Because this is an accident. Because it was an accident. Really messed up. And like the first thing he does is like drop his gun and start sobbing, yeah. right? Like he knows immediately that he did something horrible and wrong and feels bad about it immediately. Yeah. Right? So I'm wondering about why the, the director made that choice. Like why mm -hmm. does he have the reveal at, half, at the half hour mark, I think, is when it happens. And why does he have the reveal that it's his first job, like towards towards the end of the movie, not exactly the end. Because I think it really does affect audience sympathies in a pretty significant way. Um, and I'm not exactly sure how to unpack that, but I think it's important. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of a bad person straight from the get-go. Right. Um, and he shows himself to be, like, uncultured. Yes. In that, like, he doesn't like this medieval European town, uh, which is kind of like a punchline of the movie. Right. That, like... It's this beautiful town. He's like, fuck this shit. Yeah. yeah. And Gleason, like, lies about him liking it to, to their boss. He lies badly. Right? Yeah. Like, he contradicts yeah. himself. He, he, like, makes it worse and worse. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which was a funny moment. Um, yeah, because he, he's uh, uninterested, right? Like, he just has this lack of curiosity. Uh, yeah. And also, he is a hitman. I hate that attitude it, so much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. someone who likes to visit places to see history. And well, they have a something. pretty broad range of tourists in this movie. Like, the film is, like, subtly about European travel. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because um, there's, like, the Gleason character who's, like, willing to sort of put up with anything because he sees it as a beautiful place. You have the, like... You know, the American tourist that's represented and is, like, the punchline of the movie. Um, and then there's this person who, like, hates it, which is... The yeah. Colin Farrell. Yeah. Right. Colin Farrell. Yeah. Um, well, well, I think that the this, like, is he a good or a bad person or, like, how bad of a person is he? Like, that spectrum is, is really what the movie's about. Because I think that the large-scale metaphor here is that Bruges is, is purgatory, mm -hmm. right? And they are waiting here to be judged. Yeah. For their lives. And when that judgment happens, they will either pass into heaven or go to hell. And their actions here are, we influence where, where they land, right? And I think that, that they, they put a pin on it um, when they're in the museum. 
-hmm. right? Because they have that moment when they're looking at what the painting of the apocalypse, and he says, and they reference the, the they reference purgatory. Yeah, you see people there. like being skinned and stuff like that. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. You see like all these these acts of torture and, and terrible things, um, and they specifically say that there are these groups of people that weren't that great, but maybe they weren't total shitheads either. And like, what yeah. happens to them? And I think that that's really what this movie is about: is like how bad is bad, how good is good, and how much can you do to redeem yourself. I don't think the movie like ever declares it one way or another, though, right? Because no, at the end, ridiculous. he's like yeah. still stuck in purgatory, right? Like, and that, I mean, that's the closing line, right? Like maybe yeah. hell is just being stuck in Bruges. Yeah, right? <laughs> like that's that's the, the thing. Like which Stall which, which yeah. is one of the questions of like purgatory. Yes, right? it's like is purgatory actually hell? Just like the negative one level of hell. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and like, are, are you just in this constant state of unknowing and being just a little bit unhappy constantly? Yeah, yeah. and yeah, so I think that there's that ambiguity to it. I, I think it's important that at the end of the movie is him almost dying. He passes into this film set. There's like people dressed up as like ghosts and skeletons, and like they have the uh, plague doctor mask and all these kind of like horrifying uh, monsters almost around him, and then he passes into a white light as he enters into the ambulance, right? Um, which to me signifies his passing into whatever the next life may be, even if the next life is being constantly stuck in Bruges, which is <laughs> the opposite of what he wants. Yeah. Right. Um, so I, I, <clears throat> we were talking about why they introduced that it was his first job yeah. at the end of the film, mm -hmm. and they've they talked <clears throat> consistently about the theme of like being too entrenched in this dark world of assassinations mm -hmm. and how he could still change for the better. Yes. And I think that him only doing that one job is important because then he's kind of only dipped his toe in. Yeah. I mean, he did kill a guy, but at the same time, you know, it hasn't really settled in as his way of life. He's still, like, a little shaken by it. It hasn't become normal to him yet. Um, so they're trying to say that he still has a chance for redemption. Uh, they wanted to reveal that at the end when... You know they're actually fighting for his redemption. I yeah, because I think that that's the Brendan Gleeson characters, mm -hmm. Brendan Gleeson characters arc, right? Because his he actually is into it, right? Like he this yeah. is this is his career, like this is what he's done his entire life, and his mode of escaping purgatory or his way of escaping purgatory to him is to redeem someone else that may follow into that life, right? So he sacrifices himself literally by hopping off the bell tower um, to to save Ray, the Colin Farrell character. Um, and that is his penance. That's the thing. You, like, because the other conceit of purgatory is that you have to do some sort of thing to get out of it. You have to pay some price mm -hmm. in order to ascend into heaven. Uh, and that, to me, reads as what Gleason, how Gleason has decided to to pay that price. Right, it's by saving the Colin Farrell character. Uh, it's and speaking of which, that doesn't he throw like coins off the yes. tower too? Literally paying. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like the penance. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, and it also four ninety. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and it, it also um, calls and calls to mind like River Sticks, right? Where you have to pay the. Uh, well, I forget what the guy's called. The boatman. The boatman. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Um, to cross Charon. River Sticks. Is that his name? I think that's his name. Okay. I didn't even. I didn't know that at all. I was like trying to think of boatman. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it calls to mind that uh, that imagery as well. Um, and then it also serves a function in the film that he's getting people to get out of the way so it doesn't yeah. crush them when he falls, uh, which is pretty good. Um, the other thing I like about that sequence is uh, the song that they have while he's crawling up the stairs and they have like that oh, I don't old... I remember what was playing. It was, it's like this old Irish folk song that's like oh. one of those really sad Irish songs. And, oh. So a normal Irish song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But sometimes they have dance songs, right? Where they do jigs and then they have the sad songs. Yeah, but it's still they... about like people dying or something. Right, they're just like, <laughs> yeah, say it in a happy way. <laughs> so yeah, that Irish song. Yeah. Um, but I, I, thought, I liked that a lot. It was, I thought that was cool because they're the Colin Farrell character and Colin Farrell are, uh, are Irish. Yeah. Um, no, go ahead. Um, Gleason has appeared in some good movies and some bad movies. Yeah, but he's always good in the movies he's in. Uh, he was in the Lake Placid Giant Alligator movie. He's a sheriff yeah. in See, I Maine. that one. Yeah. He has Which, no business being a sheriff in Maine. Yeah. He has like that thick Irish accent. Yeah, he, he manages the American Does accent. Does he? Okay. Yeah. And oh, uh, he gets killed by a, an a alligator. Giant, a giant alligator. Oh. Yeah. Yep. It's his like Jaw, like Michael Caine was in Jaws 4. Oh, his equivalent? Yeah, it's like his 
his uh, job so spore. You, you saw this movie? Oh yeah, yeah. I remember <laughs> when it came. Of course, out. yeah. I remember. I saw it in theaters. I think. Wow. Were you scared? No, it's not scary at all. <laughs> I mean, it's the same like era as like Anaconda, and uh, that's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, and um, there's a few other, like eight legged freaks came out around the same time, and, and, and a few others. And Jaws Four. No, Jaws Four is like from the '90s, I think. No, oh, okay. Early, early '90s. I think. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I haven't seen any of those movies. So. Yeah. Sorry, but I did see um, Calvary. Calvary uh, with uh, with Gleason that came out a couple of years ago now, uh, where he plays a priest um, whose church burns down in like this tiny town in Ireland, um, and he also like. Ends up beating somebody up for some reason. I remember it being good. I, I remember hearing about that. Yeah, and hearing it was good, yeah. but I never yeah. got around to see it. Yeah, it's like a you know a badass priest mm. in that movie. Yeah, um, but it's it, I mean it's good to see an actor like that um, in a lead role. Yeah, you don't see that very often. He's also the head of like the Gleason clan. I think we discussed right, this we, offline last week, and we, I, I wasn't sure if we re- reached any conclusions. Like I didn't realize he was related in any way to Dom Hall Gleason and Brian and Brian Brendan. No, this is Brendan. This is Brendan. Brian Gleason is Dom Hall's brother, I believe. So how is Dom Hall related to Brendan? Uh, that's, his, that's his nephew? It's it's either a nephew or like a father-son relationship. It's probably nephew. Okay. I'd have to look it up, but I'm, as always, afraid of touching my computer. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a clan of acting Gleasons. And they're all pretty good. They're all pretty good. Yeah. Although we also found out that Joffrey in Game of Thrones... Different Gleason. Is a different Gleason. Yeah, yeah. Different, different line of Gleason. Although he looks yeah. like he could be in the family. Yeah, because yeah. he looks close enough to like Tom Hall. Yeah, exactly. Right? He does not look like Brendan. Yeah. He's a big guy. Lots of Gleasons in Hollywood. Evidently. And, you know, UK Gleasons specifically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like the Weasleys of acting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of the actors in this movie and UK actors in this movie, uh, Ralph Fiennes is the yeah. villain. Great villain. Great villain. Really, yeah. One of the highlights of the movie. Yeah. I mean, he's, awesome. he's generally a good villain in general. I mean, he's generally in, it, in general. Yeah. He's in it for like 15 minutes. Yeah. Like of screen time. Yeah. And he like totally articulates the, the character well. And They even yeah. call him later in the movie and he's not, he doesn't even voice the call. Yeah. Which is part of the humor of that scene where. Did you not? I, I had a feeling it didn't sound like him. Yeah, I don't. I, or, or like, you get a few words at most. Yeah, you yeah. like you don't really even hear it, and then you hear like it's a scene where Gleason is like acting out Colin Farrell being in the room because he was supposed to be in the room, yeah. but then, and then he, like, he asked doesn't him to want leave. him to be there. Yeah, yeah, and he like poorly acts out like sending him to the bathroom and then like having him leave the <laughs> yeah. apartment. It's he, very funny. He walks across the apartment, opens the door, closes the door, walks back to the phone. Yeah. Okay, he's gone. Super well acted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a good moment. Um, but yeah, I love the reveal, right? Like where they cut, that it's Ralph Fiennes. Yeah. That it's Ralph Fiennes, and yeah. like it's like almost the halfway point, or a little bit after the halfway point, and like it marks this like clear shift in the movie, right? In yeah. the violence of his character is immediately apparent in that his, he destroys the phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just gets off the yeah. phone and destroys it. Yeah, it's like this yeah. like Tony Soprano moment, right? Where it's just like abrupt violence about some small inconvenience, right? Mm-hmm. And totally out of proportion with what actually happened. And then very calmly explains to his family that he has to travel. He has to go to... Yeah, what, what does one of them say? Like, why does anybody have to go to Belgium? Yeah. <laughs> it's like they're almost offended by the idea. Yeah. Oh, no, he says... where they, The wife asked him, like, where are you going? He yeah. says Bruges. He's yeah. like, where's Bruges? He's like, yeah, yeah, that was in Belgium. In Belgium. Yeah. <laughs> and then they ask him, why does anybody have to, have to go to Belgium? Yeah, which is, again, plays back into the joke that Bruges, this fairy tale town is uh, actually a shithole. Although they do yeah. joke that if Bruges were in a better country, it'd be like too swamped with people. Yes, yeah, which is also uh, now they're today on both Bruges and Belgium. <laughs> Swamp Belgium. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't, I don't know. It, it, maybe I think there's some like sub theme about like inter-European prejudices going on here. Yeah. Um, I, I think my understanding of in these like tourist politics within mm-hmm. Europe is that. Most people are like, why would you go to Belgium when you could go to France? Right. Because uh, it's like the same food, same language. Yeah. And like, but much cooler. And Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. There's just more stuff and more history in like Paris instead of, you know, Bruges or Bruges, whatever. yeah. yeah. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably part of it. Since moving to New York, I've become a big fan of Belgian food, which... We, yeah, we, yeah, the audience doesn't know this, but we frequent a, Bel- a Belgian restaurant after our recordings. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. It's and it's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Belgian food is... Very good if you haven't tried it. Yeah, so. yeah. So, and yeah. I, I did note um, that they're drinking Belgian beers, 
throughout this movie. Um, yeah. And like specific Belgian brands. Um, Did they which, mention it? They didn't say it, but you can. They have like logos. The you logo can see it on the on the glasses and stuff. Yeah, and they have this specific sort of goblet style. I recognize cups. the the cup shape. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. a little unique. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that that was cool. Um, but returning to the the Ralph Fiennes character and like how he marks this uh, this act break uh, in the film, like just with his appearance, to me, like returning to the larger metaphor about Bruges being purgatory, Ralph Fiennes feels like the judge, right? He is the character that comes along and determines that you have done enough by now or you have not, mm-hmm. right? And I, I feel like that is kind of the role that he ends up playing. Um, he he judges. Brendan Gleeson when he decides not to kill him and then decides that he does need to kill him. Um, he judges the guy that gets blinded, right? Like he And he, of course, mm-hmm. is judging the, yeah, the he's like, you character. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he passes judgment just in that moment. Um, and then he, the, the, his final act is to pass judgment on himself, mm-hmm. right? To, to stick to his own principles because his last line is, what, it, like, you gotta have, I think you, you gotta, gotta have principles. principles. Or yeah. Yeah. yeah, and when he shoots himself in the head. Um, which is its own irony because the person he kills is not a child. Yeah, it's a little person, um, which I think is a part of this movie that hasn't aged super great. Um, the treatment a, of little people. The treatment of little people. He also. Yeah. yeah. They they use a few <clears throat> slurs in the movie that don't age well. That no. Feel like very nineties. Yeah, like, and, and I mean some of it is that the Colin Farrell character is unaware and like intentionally kind of an oaf. Yeah, and they're uh, also, but, like, kind of street toughs, like... Right, yeah, so yeah. they're not going to be, you know, totally... So they use, like, homophobic uh, slurs and, like... Right. And ableist slurs against dep- people. Yeah, oh, de- yeah, depiction is not endorsement, you know, like, obviously. Um, but the, especially with the, tr- the treatment of of little people here, that feels like it's often, A, played for laughs, and B, there's this conflation of... And fat people, too. Yes, and, yes, and that one even more clearly. There's a lot of fat people hate in this movie. Yeah, Yeah. um, unfortunately. Specifically of Americans who are only seen as obese. Yeah, and that's, like, kind of American hate, which is, you know, better. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it's still... They do that a lot in Europe. Yeah, they do. Uh, But, like, I think there's this conflation of little people and children a lot, which is problematic. Um, Probably something we want to avoid, which is, like, the dramatic irony of the end of this movie um, yeah. and that's troubling um, and I think you again just have to acknowledge that stuff and take the movie for what it is but it is important to actually acknowledge it because that is not alright um, and not something we should be uh, encouraging uh, yeah I think <clears throat> where it goes wrong is that like in most cases it's used for the joke yeah and long. like the humor arises out of that yeah well and, and, and and when it's not used for the yeah. joke at the end, when he sees the small body with no head on it, yeah. and he thinks it's a child, like that's still just saying, oh, little people look like children. Right? And that's, you know, not all right. Like that's it. The A, it's not really that true. Yeah. And B, it's not something we should be, uh, not, not a parallel we should be drawing. Um, so that there's no real way around it, I don't think. Um, but that that is what's going on. Right, because it's more laughing at the problematic stereotype rather than laughing at the people who believe it. Right, right. Or just buying into it, which is, I think, what happens at the end of this movie. It just is right. that stereotype. And that's what differentiates it from some of the other problematic jokes in right. this movie where they're more making fun of the people who believe it. And who, um, yeah, because, yeah, th- I mean, this movie is... Sim- uh, I think they're pretty loose with their homophobia. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's true. They like, use the- European terms for it, but it, it still, like, doesn't come out great yeah like the guy that gets blinded like uh, Colin Farrell refers to him as a puff several times which is just a gay slur mm-hmm. that it, it's all it is I don't know if it's as strong as the and then the joke comes back around where Ralph finds like says the same thing calls him the same thing right and explains to him why he is that right yeah, yeah. and he's very specific about it um, yeah. and that's just a gay joke right mm-hmm. and you know that's uh, disappointing uh, so it'd be nice to see the, it, it feels like something kind of out of the Shane Black school of screenwriting. Shane Black did uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and Nice Guys and Lethal Weapon, right? Where he's a great writer. Like Shane Black's a really great writer. He also did Iron Man 3. Um, and he, but he also has this thing where he has misogynistic jokes in his movies way too often. He has gay jokes in his movies way too often. Mm-hmm. And whether or not you are comfortable with that or like can so watch, still enjoy the movie despite that is up to you. But I understand someone saying, you know, I don't want to 
be subjected to that right now. And that's kind of, I think there are moments where this movie falls in that same category, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a bummer. Yeah, I think like all things, like if you're punching down to like yeah. your humor yeah. across, like that, that should be kind of like a flag that like, Right, and it, it, you're, you're beating up on the wrong people. Yeah, and this isn't a socially conscious movie in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. Like, I think it still can still have value despite that. Um, they did have the moment with the little person actor where it turns out he's racist, <laughs> right? Which yeah. was kind of. I, I mean, I'm not totally sure how to unpack that, but like they called out for exactly what it is, like <laughs> in that moment, and said, and because I think Brandon Gleason like just calls him racist and leaves. Yeah, and like that, I think was, I don't know. A, surprising scene yeah yeah <laughs> yeah he they run into the character again later and he's like feels regretful right like he expresses remorse it. but it still seemed like it was his like true colors yeah in the moment yeah because that's yeah. when he's high like they had stolen all the cocaine from the guy that gets blinded yeah and um but not an excuse right yeah <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but, but the movie almost like tries to explain it away that like he oh was, really he was high cocaine talking or something like no, that. See, i yeah. read that as the movie saying, look at here is somebody making excuses for what they're actually feeling, but this is what they're actually feeling. And I think that that's how the Colin Farrell and the girl from Harry Potter, whose name I can't remember, uh, read that moment, mm-hmm. right? Because <laughs> uh, they're like, yeah, sure, buddy. And he like kind of walks off. That's how I read it anyway. Um, what do we think of the, the romance here? The, the only female character in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's was... two, the hotelier. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. she was great. Yeah, yeah, also great. Yeah, she stood yeah. up for him. She she was the <clears throat> goodest person in the movie. Yeah, yeah, that and is like probably willing good. to sacrifice herself for and her, her unborn child. She was yeah. pregnant the whole movie too for Colin Farrell, who like didn't deserve it. Right. Yeah. Well, and she like is making affirmative choices, right? Because she yeah. like Colin Farrell gives her that money like as some token of penance or something, and she returns it to Gleason. And the climactic shootout at the end, she essentially tries to stop it by just yeah. refusing to leave and saying, this is my hotel, you guys can fuck off. And yeah. that was that was a good moment. Yeah. Yeah, and a funny moment because they have that yelling conversation where they're coordinating how they're going to shoot each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> From upstairs yeah, and downstairs. These rules of honor. Yeah, right, right. Which I'm stunned that they kept, right? Like, you'd think that you would not do that, but... Yeah. Okay. They're all about their principles. <clears throat> You're right, you got to have principles. <laughs> Uh, I, I thought their romance seemed believable. If you're willing to believe that he's able to just pick up random women, which is Colin Farrell, and he was very charming. Like, yeah, he's very charming. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, man. I was perplexed by that. He did, he did not seem very charming. No, okay. Um, outside of just being a generally good-looking guy, I was perplexed why someone like her would be into him. What? Uh, I mean, he lead, his pickup line is like making fun of little people right yeah she, like that's messed up yeah then she just is, like yeah. she's always laughing at everything he's saying no matter how terrible it is <laughs> and that just annoyed me but like, i think we also learn that she's kind of terrible too yeah right because she's a drug kind of what i got out of right it, like she, and, and that's what i think makes it work like when he beats up the random the canadians at the that he thought were american. <laughs> yeah that he thought were american uh she's like okay with that Right, I mean, yeah, it shows like her moral bounds. She's also a boyfriend. Her boyfriend's a skinhead, right? And they rob. Right. She's a criminal too, right? Because yeah. yeah, the scheme was. I'm like remembering all these things, yeah, right? That, like, the, showing this, her being bad. Yeah, the scheme was that yeah. she goes out with men, takes them home, and then the guy robs them while he's while they're blank gun. Well, yeah, with a, with an empty gun. So again, like yeah. we have this ambiguity of they're like they're bad, but how bad are they? Right? Yeah. Like they're bad enough to to lie and rob, but they're not yeah. bad enough to kill. Right. And we have the Colin Farrell character where he's bad enough to be a hitman and kill people for money, but he's not bad enough to remorselessly kill a child, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, at what point does being bad become being too bad, yeah. right? And is when, at what point does being good become being good enough? And I think we see that in this character, right? Because she is a, not a good person. She's selling drugs. She's robbing people. She's totally comfortable with random acts of arbitrary violence. But she's not as bad as other people are. And sure. like that's, I think, uh, the, the push-pull of this movie. And it makes their relationship more coherent to me. Because if she's just like an action movie girlfriend that is there to pump up the hero and like laugh at his jokes and that's it. Yeah, you're right. It's not a very interesting character, not a very interesting relationship. But we see a little bit more of what she has going on and a little bit more of what's motivating her. And that makes the, the relationship more coherent, uh, in my view. 
it still to me felt like she was just kind of there. Yeah, I mean, I, there, I don't know. She didn't like actually end up doing a whole lot, so I wasn't too convinced by it. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't. She, I think she does good work with the screen time that she has. But yeah, this movie isn't going to pass the Bechdel test, right? Like this is mm. this is a, a masculine film, I think, in very clear ways, <laughs> a, yeah. a, a dude movie. Um, one of the jokes I like a lot um, that I've actually heard referenced quite a bit is the the guy with, that's obsessed with the alcoves. Uh, yeah. That he, he can, the Russian. Yeah. 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 Or yeah. it's unclear, but he's implied it, like Russian. Eastern His European. Name's Yuri. It's got to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like the most stereotypical Russian name. Yeah. That. Yeah. Scientist. Um. That one. Ivan. Um. Yeah. But yeah, like of I course think, he's an arms dealer. Which yeah. Is like another like yeah. Russian <laughs> stereotype. Russian arms dealer with thick accent working in the Maybe black York. market. Yeah. But yeah, he's obsessed with the alcoves in the park. Right, and that, he has to like explain it to others. Uh, yeah, is yeah. is yeah. that the right word? Elkos. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. that's the word. But yeah. I, 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 that's one of the things I like about this movie is that like they have these little jokes, right? Like they have they, these. They have like four jokes that they use repeatedly in the movie. Yeah, there's a lot of callbacks. Yeah. yeah, the one that got me was the <clears throat> Vietnam reference because he brings it back later. I forget exactly how, but because the Canadians. Yeah. yeah, when he yeah. realizes they're Canadian at the end of the movie, he feels bad. Yeah, but bad. he also uses yeah. it separately. Well, because because um, when they're it. when they're high and they're and the the racist little person is talking about how there's going to be a race war between the whites and the blacks. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, uh, "Well, what side are the Vietnamese on?" He's like, "The blacks." It's like, "Oh, well, then I'm definitely going to go with the blacks." Like they have the Vietnamese. Like, yeah, that, yeah. that was the one they got me. I thought that was pretty funny. It yeah, was a funny callback. <clears throat> right. He, he seems to be very persuaded that because the United States lost the Vietnam War that. There's something special about yeah. Vietnam, right? Like I think that that is <laughs> the idea there. Or he just likes to like poke that dagger <clears throat> at America. I'm sure that's part of it as well. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. They, they, this movie does those kind, of, which is why it reminds me of Shane Black a lot, right? Because mm-hmm. he would do that same kind of very dialogue-heavy, language-heavy kind of humor that is calling back to other movies. And it was pretty funny that those restaurant patrons turned out to be Canadian. Right. That was that was a good gag. Yeah. Um, You'd seen this because he has only one other movie until this coming weekend when Three Billboards comes out. Um, you'd seen Seven Psychos, Psychopaths. Before. I did see Seven Psychopaths, um, but I did not. Was that like the one that with John Malkovich? I think was, it is. I yeah, think he was in that one. Did yeah. you see that movie? I saw the trailer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's um. It um, looked like a not uh, like a lock sock knockoff. Yes, that's how it was. Have you pitched. seen Lock Sock and Two Smoking Barrels? I have not. Or Snatch, which is the, the same exact same movie, movie but yeah. remade. I might have. I saw one of those. I okay. don't remember which one. They're it the was. same movie. I think I, I, think well, I might have seen Rock and Roll, maybe. That's also a Guy Ritchie movie. Then again, in a similar vein, the, I can't Snap, That's like a much worse version of the other yes. two. Snatch has Brad Pitt in it, which is it, a it probably strong was plus. Rock and Roll and not Snatch. <clears throat> okay, I've yeah. I've only seen. Did they have Brad Pitt? I don't think so. Okay, okay, you would have remembered. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, Seven Psychopaths is pitched as a Guy Ritchie movie, essentially, right? Like that's yeah how it looks. This movie is kind of that too. Yeah, it's just it not as <clears throat> violent. But when there is violence, it's like they're willing to like show like pretty realistic violence in yeah. this movie. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I think it uses its violence relatively. I don't want to say tastefully, but thoughtfully. Yeah, it uses it when it wants to like make a point or like be shocking, right? Rather was, than like being violent throughout, which, which is, is like how, how guy Richard rock and roll, which is like what you're mm-hmm. referring to. Yeah. Um, I did like how sudden the gunshots felt when they show his first assassination. Yeah. Uh, it, it just. I mean, you know he's about to kill the guy because he, like, talks about it. He says, yeah. you know, I'm here to kill you or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it still feels very abrupt, <clears throat> and it's very contrasted with how quiet the rest of the movie generally is. Yeah, especially the beginning of the, the movie. The guy who played the priest is also a famous actor. Yeah, um, yeah. that's uh, Siren Hines, um, and he was yeah. in Game of Thrones. He was uh, the king about beyond the wall. Um, yes. And he was also in Rome. He played Julius Caesar in the HBO show. Which is super good. That show's great. Wasn't, um, wasn't he like a Bond bad guy too at some point? Quite possibly. He looks like a Bond yeah. bad guy. He's all, I also confuse him with Alfred Molina a lot because I think they look similar. Um, yeah. They he's are, in fact, distinct people. A similar actor to like Mads Mikkelsen too. Yeah. I mean, he's. No, they Mads look Mikkelsen. different, but they they act right. similarly in right. similar roles. Yeah. I like, bet they compete for like the same roles all the time. Like the cooler older guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was. Uh, must have been before. Rome, I think, yeah, because um, that's when he started getting more st- more work, I believe. Um, but yeah, that was that was that guy. 
Um, but yeah, the, the use of violence in this film is is interesting that they, they open with what looks almost like an art film, right? Like they have like these really quiet shots of the Bruges scenery and then yeah, it's punctuated by this abrupt act of violence. And I think you're right that it makes it feel more impactful because we haven't seen anything. That I feel is like very well cribbed from like Coen Brothers film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Coen Brothers, like, they use violence in a very similar fashion where it's like, you'll go like 80 minutes in a movie and then suddenly there's this like... Gross act of yeah, violence. Yeah, gross act of violence. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, we, I mean, we saw Big Lebowski and I think you could see that happening there. Um, Blood Simple, they were the first movie, uh, did that really effectively. That They haven't done anything scarier. Or Fargo, too, does yeah. this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this movie is like very Fargo influence, it feels yeah, like. That, that's a good place to draw from. Yeah, yeah. where it's like, Again, like a lot of like situations that the characters get themselves into because of like sort of simpler acts earlier in the movie. Sure. Yeah. Like lead to situations later that cause violence and ironic humor. Yeah, and like, you, and you comes have, out of that. You have these characters <laughs> yeah. that are. It's almost like formulaic in that sense. Where it's <laughs> right. Like, right. And and you have these characters that yeah. are notably inept. Right. Like they make yeah. mistakes and they make important mistakes about things that they shouldn't be making mistakes. Mm-hmm. And you have the other character from outside the story, which is the Ralph Fine character here, yeah. who comes in and enacts retribution for their errors. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and I, I think that that is, again, a Coen Brothers technique. I think the difference, if this was a Coen Brothers film, they would just kill Colin Farrell. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They, they, they are not that interested in ambiguity. Right? Like they, they are interested in being the, the judge. Yeah, and they yeah. hate their... The characters and they, that they are, portray. Yeah, often like, hostile. They are portraying people that they think should be killed. Yeah. Although when yeah. they're at the when they're at their best, they aren't doing that though, right? Like, yeah. When they're when they're making their best movies, I feel like the Coen brothers are de- still, you know, visiting horrors upon their characters, but they're doing it in a way that evokes much more sympathy than you see in something like Burn After Reading, which I like and is very funny, but it is not, you know, inside Moon Davis. Right. I, and I think that when they're doing their their best work, they're making us still care about these people that are kind of loathsome and kind of have bad things happen to them. Um, no country works the same way, right? Uh, so I think that, that this movie does strike that balance when it's at its best moments, right? Like I think there are times when you care about the Colin Farrell character, um, like when he actually is breaking down uh, and with Brennan Gleeson and explaining that why he wanted to kill himself and why he was you know moments away from doing it mm-hmm. like there's ethos there right like there's yeah there's a pathos there um uh, to the film's credit like that's that's impressive for a first-time director um although that we haven't talked about that moment in the movie where he is about to kill himself because he does have several allusions to suicide throughout the movie um and eventually he is stopped from killing himself when Brendan Gleeson encounters him, him, goes to kill him yeah. <laughs> in, in in route to assassinating him. Um, so I don't know how did that scene play for anybody. Um, now, was it funny? Was it tragic? Was it ironic? It felt a little unexpected. I okay. Guess. Um, I like. Was, did you? I'm not sure what I expected because I didn't know at the time. Uh, well, I mean, what am I trying to say? Well, I didn't expect him to like point a gun at himself. Right. When like right Gleason then. was walking up, I expected him to maybe turn around and be like, "What the hell are you doing?" Right. Or something like that. Which does happen, but yeah. Right, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I like I like when um, he, Brendan Gleeson stops him, and you know the Colin Farrell, Colin Farrell uh, turns around and he like tries to hide his gun behind his yeah, back. Yeah, very Google. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like well, I'm not yeah. doing anything. <laughs> it, like doesn't work at all. Yeah. There's also this funny irony in this movie that. You know, everything was kind of going to resolve itself. Yeah. Um, until the characters screw it up. Yeah. Yeah, that's the Cohen influence, I think. Right. Like, Bur- yeah. Burn After Reading Again is the movie that does that, I think, most clearly, where, like, they actually, like, have a bit of dialogue at the end where, like, all this stuff happened in the movie and, like, it had no impact on anything. <laughs> like, nothing changes except these a few people are dead that nobody likes. Um, and yeah, this movie plays in a, in a similar way that if Brendan Gleason had just stayed in his hotel room, like he wouldn't have died, and Colin Farrell would be dead, which is what he wanted, anyways. And yeah, like none of that terrible shit would have happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think we get some interesting treatment of uh, of post traumatic stress disorder because mm-hmm. right? I think that Ray has PTSD, right? Like I think mm-hmm. that that 
they draw a beat on that several times. Like when he is about to kill himself, he's at a playground <laughs> watching children play. Um, he it talks about those suicide statistics uh, for little people. And again, this movie is drawing a parallel between little people and children, which is problematic but important thematically. Um, and I I think that we and when he's at dinner with the girl from Harry Potter whose name I can't remember, um, he makes jokes about what he did, right? He says that he's a hitman and he kills... He doesn't lie to her. Right, he doesn't lie. He just, but it's... It's impressive that he said it with a straight face considering what happened to him. Right. Well, he, he does he doesn't because he says it while laughing, right? Like, he, he says yeah, it like... Okay. And he delivers it as a joke. And I think that you see that all the time with depression and PTSD, right? Mm -hmm. Where the, the, the trauma or the, the sadness or the whatever is treated as something... To be to, to laugh at like mm -hmm. that you make sense out of it it's by a coping mechanism right you make sense out of it by making humor out of it and I think that that is a, a very present theme in this movie mm -hmm. um, that I think speaks to the thoughtfulness of the script like that that that's not easy to pull off ironically he takes a bunch of ecstasy which they're experimentally using as treatment for PTSD are right they really now. yeah oh I did not know that and apparently it's pretty successful with soldiers well there we go yeah right. okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that, that's relevant. It probably wasn't written into the movie, though. <laughs> no, I mean, it's among that's, other drugs that he does. Yeah, because he, he, he like, does coke and he gets pretty drunk. And he has, There's another drug that they make reference to. I think acid. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I like that moment in when they're in the bar after, right after he does, I think, coke or X, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And he says that, oh, that, uh, the, that midget has a really cute girlfriend. He's like, that's not a girlfriend, that's a prostitute. Oh, you have a really cute prostitute. <laughs> like that. I think he just says thank you, right? Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. that's exactly what happens. Yeah. That's, but yeah. there comes a point when he says, like, that's not my girlfriend. This is a, oh, yeah, this is a prostitute I found on the street. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have a really. After he taps him in the side of the head. Yes. He's like clearly under the influence of, like. Right. I thought he was going to fight him. No, I think this yeah. was this was before they did drugs, I think. Because he comes into the bar. No, no. Yeah, so the girlfriend comment is when he first sees the guy at the bar. Right. Yeah. Uh, and even forgetting exactly when it was, but I'm pretty sure after this is when they go up to the room so, to party and yeah. have the So he goes yeah. he goes up to the little person and the prostitute and he pokes a little person in the head and he interrogates him. It's like, is this your girlfriend? Yeah. And he says okay. no. Well, Brendan and Gleason then, also had a similar interaction. There's there's like a few yeah. back and forth and then he's just like, Do you want to do Cocaine, cocaine, yeah. Because he like, stole the cocaine from the guy that was trying to yeah, rob. I, I yeah, I think Farrell was just mad that the guy didn't say hi back to him during the day. Yeah, because he was on horse tranquilizers. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. we go. That's <laughs> what that exchange was. Yeah. <laughs> Which was also funny. Um, A lot of nonchalant, like heavy drug use in this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All over. Right. It's Europe. It's, yeah. yeah, I guess that's what they do in Bruges. <laughs> um, I, I guess the implication is that there's nothing else to do, so they do all these heavy drugs and drinking. And, and, and then hire prostitutes. And hire prostitutes, and yeah. Yeah. And, and so that's why she's so successful as a yeah. person who sells drugs to Belgian film crews. Yeah, and they do the two like touristy things that are possible, right? Like they do the canal tour immediately, Yep. and they go up the tower yep, almost and, immediately. And they look at old churches. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. There's a cool art museum, apparently. Yeah, the, yeah they, they do the, that. Yeah, they so the they do like every single possible touristy yeah. thing except go to the alcoves. Right, which is apparently the best part. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or nobody goes there, which is why it's a good place to, to murder someone. Yeah, that's called back to you as well, though, because Ralph finds when he's asking, like, do, "Have you done this? Yeah, have you done yeah. this?" He asks him, "Like, did you do the canal tour?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. He's like, like yes. "Yeah." He's like, "Well, I remember doing it as a child." So. <laughs> Implying that like Bruges doesn't change at all. It's just right. like yeah. this. Right. That this Neverland. It's, it's a monolith. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. Well, it's a monolith. It's a Neverland. It's also like inescapable. Yeah. Right. Because they they have the one where he where um, Brennan Gleeson puts uh, Colin Farrell on the train and he dits you know a few miles outside of Bruges and immediately is forced to turn around when the Canadians identify him and he gets arraigned in Belgian court. That was court. A bizarre coincidence. Yeah. Oh, I mean, of course it is because he's in purgatory and you're not allowed to leave until you pay your penance, right? Well, like, yeah, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, that is very explicitly what's going on there. Um, and certainly the, the most like contrived and constructed moment in the movie, um, but still like make, putting a very clear point on what this is supposed to mean, like what they're they're saying here, um, which is significant. Uh, but yeah, the, the Seven Psychopaths, I think, is an interesting movie because as we 
pointed out before, it does look like a Guy Ritchie movie. But then, like, it, uh, very abruptly in the third act, it becomes a Charlie Kaufman movie, which is surprising, right? Because uh, it's that that's when they like talk about the construction of the film within the film itself and they talk about how like they're not going to be violent anymore because it hasn't been working and it's not in the script or whatever and i think it speaks to uh i think this guy's name is pronounced madonna something like that something sounds right yeah um i don't know that he has like i think you see it in this movie too this almost conflict between you know the indulging in these acts of violence and like the cool kind of guy Richie talking mm -hmm. uh, but also wanting to take a more thoughtful meaningful tack to those tropes um, and I think it's more successful here uh, in, in In Bruges um, relative to Seven Psychopaths um, but it's good to see that kind of filmmaking right and I, I think that the Coen brothers are a good comp mm -hmm. uh, there but it would be unfair to peg him as just a, a Guy Ritchie knockoff. Mm -hmm. like, I think that this is, I think he's better than Guy Ritchie. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Guy Ritchie, once he found the one movie that I wanted him to make, he did that for like over a decade. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And it's fine. But he made the Man from Uncle recently, which. Oh, yeah, which, that, that was, that was him. him. I, yeah, I forgot that. That I was did, actually. Some people were kind of like a. I, I thought it was like an interesting period piece, so I found it boring but uh yeah, it was fine. better than any of the recent bond films any of them what, what yeah. do you consider recent uh since after casino royale i guess okay because casino royale is phenomenal i love that movie it, it, i think it's one of the better action movies of the yeah, last skyfall is cool too but... skyfall's fine yeah. people like skyfall I, I didn't yeah i thought it was fine uh, I, I thought it was no casino royale mostly i think christoph waltz was wasted on that last one i skipped it yeah, I didn't yeah. see it. Probably a good idea. Yeah, I just, there's there's other stuff going on. Yeah. Um, but I think that Christoph Waltz has found, like, he is famous now, but he's, he also knows he's an aging fo foreign actor, and, like, he's taking roles. Like, he's making his money now. I think you see Peter <laughs> Dinklage doing the same thing, where, like, he knows the Game of Thrones train is going to run dry eventually, so he's going to get as much work as possible right now when he's super famous. Yeah, good good for them. For yeah, the, no... Yeah, not, not a knock at all. It's a good good business call. It. But um, I think that that's why he ends up in, in that movie. I haven't seen a good non-Tarantino Christoph Waltz movie. Right, exactly. Which is unfortunate. Yeah. He's hilarious. Yeah. Nobody seems to know how he's to use so him talented. except as a lesser version of a Tarantino character. Right, well, except yeah. Tarantino, right? Well, yeah. 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 Um, not everyone's Tarantino. Right, well, and he's one of those... He's not a character actor, right? Like, he's one of those people when you hire Christoph Waltz, you're hiring... Christoph Waltz, right? Like, you know what you're getting. You know you're getting, like, this kind of jerky speech pattern and, like, this, like, almost just a little bit of feminine but also super intimidating presence. And, like, it's hard to graft that onto other movies, um, especially if you're not, you know, Quentin Tarantino, one of the best directors of all time. Right? So, yeah, he's probably difficult to use despite being very talented. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Yeah. He would be good in a film like this. Yes. I think. I yeah. agree. Like in a Ralph Fiennes kind of role, he right. would have been perfect for that. Yeah, but well, and yeah, that's it, true. like these heavy dialogue action movies. Yeah, right. Like these heavy dialogue, particularly movies, movies like this. Yeah, right. Like these thinking. He should work with the Coen Brothers. I bet he'd be really good. Oh, I have no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that would be phenomenal. He'd be perfect for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he could even like if they even if they um they might not be able to afford him, but <laughs> yeah, uh, but he could be on like the show, the Fargo TV show. I bet he would be great there. That show use Billy Bob Thornton really well. Yeah, I mean, it's a totally separate document, but yeah, it would be yeah. Right. excellent. Right, but another, yeah. like, obviously, Coleman Brothers-inspired yeah. piece. Um, but anyway, uh, what do you, any closing thoughts on, on In Bruges? Is this a, a recommend where your California friend's right? Um, it's just not my kind of movie, I Really? Think. Okay. Um, a lot of it is just the style of the sense of humor. Okay. Uh, that was my problem with Seven Psychopaths as well. Um, just the general like style of the humor in this movie gave me the feeling of like you know the types of people who would be into this kind of humor are the kinds who think they're better than other people really <laughs> all right um so they buy into the whole like oh you know europeans are so superior to americans oh the americans are so loud and crass and oh here's all these like racist and homophobic things because i'm better than these people or like i'm too good for bruges or that kind of thing and i know that like in a way they're depicting these people with these views as being unsavory characters but at the same time the people who like this style of humor tend to share those views that's the that's the feeling i get and i just don't want to buy into that style of humor 
Okay, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I read the movie as critiquing a lot of that. Not all of it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But enough of it that I think it's important. Um, but yeah, I'm sure there are many audience members that missed that. Yeah, completely. so I just yeah. felt like the humor rubbed me the wrong way. And that's one of the cores of this film. So, you know, that can't really buy into that. That is, that is fair. It comes up a lot in Guy Ritchie movies, too. Like, there yeah. are characters that are played for laughs for similar reasons. Yeah. The, I mean, the difference, I think, with Guy Ritchie is that he is not, you know, making a purgatory allegory, right? Like, he is not doing it t- towards some larger purpose. He's not being thoughtful about it. He's just, he is just depicting it for its own sake. And mm-hmm. I think that, that this movie, it's, we're, we're showing this guy who's kind of, you know, a, a, a buffoon, for a lack of a better term, and that he is getting punished for that like and that's why he is here is mm-hmm. that he's being punished for that kind of thing yeah we're it's in a richie sense it's like always oh, supposed to be cool right which <laughs> is exactly how he shoots it exactly how he depicts it like yeah violence yeah. is cool and criminals are cool right and like being yeah. an asshole is cool and all of this so yeah, yeah I, I i hear your critiques and i think that it, it, it's fair and that there are many audience members who interact with this movie in that way um i think it is even more on point when you apply it to something like snatcher Black Stack and Two Smoking Barrels, or pick a Guy Ritchie movie, yeah. um, which is a, a bummer because on a technical level, he's a good filmmaker. Yeah, he's one of these people that like should be an art director yep. and not a director director. Yep, yeah, that is, that is correct. He should stop writing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that is for sure. I mean, but that's common among directors. Yep, yep. I think it's just hard to find good directors. It's or, a hard job. Yeah. And obviously, like, people are, it's like being a quarterback, right? Where people mm-hmm. are chosen to be quarterbacks, like, you don't go to quarterback school. Yeah. 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 Um, and unfortunately, it means that, like, not everybody gets the shot that they should have. Yeah. But there's, this is, I feel like that tide is changing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, thanks to the Me Too campaign and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And thanks to Patty Jenkins and, and Catherine Bigelow and, and people like that. Uh, I think most notably the Justice Weekend, the Thor movie directed yeah. by Taika Waititi. Waititi. Yeah. Yep. Um, have you seen? So. Have you seen anything? You saw. Um, which what one? we do in the shadows? We do, but you have not seen Hunt for the Wilder People, right? No. What we do in the shadows is very funny. Okay. I believe it because uh, that has the other the Flight of the Concords guy, right? Right. It has multiple people from Flight of the Concords. Okay, yeah. super. I think Taika was also in Flight or directed Flight episodes. That would make perfect sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah one of the Concords is in it. I think both of them are, actually. That's what I, th- I thought As they both is, were. Um, Reese Darby, who's like another notable okay. Kiwi comedian, who yeah. I thought was in Thor, but it was actually Taika. Yes. And they speak exactly the same. Yes. Where they have these like tiny, <laughs> tiny like New Zealand accents. Yeah, yeah. Um, very, very sweet. Anyways, that's like way off topic. But yeah, it, it feels like this director tide is changing. I think that's for the better. Yeah, for all of us, right? Because we're going to get better movies out of it. Right? Like, yeah. like Thor was the Excellent. best Marvel movie in a while. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's only the best, probably the best comic book movie this year. What else that's came Spider-Man out this year? pretty good. I was thinking They're Wonder good Woman. for similar reasons. Yeah. I mean, I think Thor was definitely better than Spider-Man. I was thinking of uh, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman or Guardians 2. But I think Thor's better, and we're we're about to get um, Justice League dropped on oh, us. Yeah, oh, Jesus. Yes. That I, I skipped Suicide Squad. I I I, I went to Batman oh vs Superman, and I shouldn't have because that movie still makes me angry. Like how bad it was. And I'm I still to... morbidly curious. You, you don't watch it. It's really bad. <laughs> no, no, no. no. I I've, I've seen both of those already. Okay, morbidly yeah. curious about Justice League. Uh, Christ. I don't think I finished Suicide Squad. It was that bad. It's probably a good choice. Yeah, yeah. Christ. I rarely turn off movies. Now, more recently, like in the past ten years, I'm more likely to turn off movies. But yeah, well, you yeah. watch a lot of really crummy movies. Yeah, on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that there are. I mean, I've spoken this before, and we don't need to get on this jag now. But I, I think that there is value in watching things that are. I agree. Not a plus plus. No, I I think you're correct. Yeah, I'm not gonna not gonna argue. Um. Anyway, but speaking of A plus plus movies, yeah, uh, we have a we have a committee selection uh, this coming week. Preston, what are we watching? Uh, yes. next time. So um, I think Charles found it right that we're gonna see. I, no, I did. Oh, you did. I'm on, okay. the, I'm on yeah. the metrography. My apologies. List. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we got a chance to see Spinal Tap in the theater, which is interesting. I've yeah. never seen it in theater. Um, right. So and this is Spinal Tap 
where we get the chance to right. watch on the big screen. And we get to watch it on 11.11 at 11.11 p.m. So Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it, amusing. We're, we're going to 11. Yeah, we're going yeah. to 11. Exactly. Yeah, so you know that joke from the film. Yeah, it's the yeah. one thing that, I know about the movie. That's unavoidable, right? Like, there's yeah. no way you cannot know that joke. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see it with an audience. I think it'll be interesting to see it with a late-night audience. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know... This is probably going to be a crowd that knows the movie relatively well. I hope you like it, Charles, because it's like you're 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 into metal, kind of, like my kind of music. Yeah. yeah, you're into metal, and this is like yeah. I hope so. Loving, making lovingly metal. making fun of metal bands. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems like an important thing for someone who likes this kind of music to have seen. Yeah, so. yeah. It's more of like an Alice Cooper kind of metal that they're making fun of, but. Yeah, which it's, is a softer target. Yeah, much, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's close enough. much easier yeah. target. But uh, yeah. yeah, so I'll be interested to see what your reaction is to it. Sure, uh, I love this. Movie, I know you. Though, you've, and I'm you've very much it. looking forward to. I like this movie. It. I think you yeah. like it more than I do. Yeah, um, and I do like it a lot. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen it in a while, so I'm looking forward to it for yeah. that reason. Um, but in any case, uh, thank you for joining us for In Bruges and join us next week for this is Spinal Tap. Yeah.